Hello, everybody. Welcome to Running Code, Humor in South Texas Law Enforcement. I'm your host, T-Bone. Always by my side is my partner, J-Man. J-Man, how you doing? Doing real good today, man. Yeah. It's good. Well, I like that. And how you feeling? I feel good. I asked for a reason. Because they were talking about... Officer wellness. Officer wellness. What people don't realize, and the public doesn't realize, is because of movies and TV. And this one's going to kind of be a little more serious episode, listeners, because this is important. And we... Yeah, we like to find the funny. That's what we're here for. But some things you don't joke about. And this is going to be one of them, and we want the public to be aware. And we're going to go over some interesting things and maybe open some eyes of the civilians that don't understand this. And it might tweak a few officers' noses, but they're not exempt from this. I'm not exempt from this, and you're not exempt from this. So, as officers, we see things that the public doesn't doesn't want to see. The average human has two or three maybe critical instances their entire life. Whether that's they witness a traumatic death up close or they have a very major car crash or they get robbed at gunpoint, something that they would consider a critical incident. Officers have several hundred over the course of a 20-year career. We're not any different than any other human. We kind of put up that shell. It doesn't bother us. And it does bother us. We just can't afford to dwell on it. We have a job to do. Problem is sometimes that backs up on us too far. And we have what's called... Our cup runneth over, if you want to use an old phrase. It backs up on us, which is why we have the high-rate officer suicides. They, We don't want to show weakness by asking for help. We don't want to go around and say, I need help. I'm feeling suicidal. I'm, fe- I'm not feeling right. You're worried about the repercussions to your career. Or everyone's going to think you're weak because you telling people you need help. Luckily, over the last... About maybe five years, I would say. Maybe 10. But I've been in this career field 10 years, and I don't remember it being really talked about 10 years ago. But maybe the last five years, really, it's really kind of come to the forefront where, hey, there's nothing shameful about I need help. Mm -hmm. And agencies publicly will say they love that. Privately, they don't. Yeah. But they're going to get you the help because it's better that they get you the help than you go home and you kill yourself. When you told them you had a problem, they ignored it. And then that comes out. So, really, they're doing it to cover their own butt. If you think they care about you, they don't. It's like the military. Military didn't care about you. You are a number. That's it. You fit in the manning slot. That's all they care about. Can you do the job? Yes or no? So, I hate to say that, but that is the reality. Now, is that changing? That is starting to finally change as people are realizing that we're human too. The public, I want you to understand, if we if you call us, and we're acting like we either don't care about your problem or maybe we're being kind of rude or being a dick. It has nothing to do with you. It really doesn't. It has to do with maybe that officer's last call was a dead child. They have not had time to process that. They've not had time to, to deal with that. They went from that dead child that maybe drowned or was abused to the point of death to your call where you're bitching about your neighbor's garbage can being two inches over your property line. In the scheme of dead child to garbage can, you can see where they might be a little agitated having to deal with you. It's not personal, but that in their mind is nothing. They just watched the whole family's life come apart because of a dead child. And then you're complaining that your neighbor's garbage can is two inches over your property line when you could have just gone down and moved it. So, yeah, if they blow up on you or they maybe get a little unhappy with you, maybe act like a you know, rude dick, that might be why. Now, some officers are just dickheads. That, that, there's no way around it. That's their default any call they go to. But most officers aren't. It's just we build up that shell. Mm-hmm. And then when something cuts through it, like children used to do it for any officer, children, children would get to any officer because most of us have kids. 
And we're programmed as humans to care about children. That's that programming, that genetic level to protect children and love children. So if the last call was a child death, especially a traumatic one, and then they clear that after four or five hours and the ME picks up the child or you know, you do what you got to do and then you get cleared and the next call comes out and this neighbor, oh, my neighbor gave me the finger. My neighbor parked their car two inches over my property line. My neighbor's garbage can blew across my yard. In our world, that is nothing. Why are you bothering me with this? Mm-hmm. This is this is fix your problem. You're an adult. And yeah, we tend to get a little agitated. Please don't take that personal. Yes, you can file a complaint with their internal affairs. And yes, that officer will get talked to. But in the end, we are human too. And we have our own life experiences. Some of us who are more fortunate to have been combat veterans. Combat veterans make better officers. They really do. The stuff they've seen in the Middle East or wherever they saw combat, which is probably going to be the Middle East in the last 20 years. We know what's really important and what's really not important. Like your neighbor pissing you off is not important. Like learn how to be adults. Talk to each other. Maybe sit down, crack a beer, figure out what your problem is and be good neighbors. Or you don't like your neighbor, just ignore your neighbor. Just ignore them. Okay, you don't like each other, but you got to live next to each other. Unless you're renting, you're going to have to live next to each other. So learn how to be adults. So when you call us to solve your bullshit problem, and we just finished working a major fatality with dead children or a suicide of a young child, maybe a 14-year-old whose boyfriend of a week broke up with her and she hangs herself in a closet. And this is a real-world example. I'm not making this one up. Happened to me. Your problem with your neighbor is not important. So, yeah, you may get a fairly negative reaction from that Mm -hmm. officer. And you're going to be mad, feel some kind of way about it. He doesn't care. You know what? He doesn't. He doesn't care about your problem with the garbage can. Because it's not law enforcement related, number one. And two, you can't be an adult when he just dealt with something that was tremendously traumatic. And now he's going to have to go home and think about that. Your garbage can does not even register anywhere near a problem. So it backs up on you. The stuff you see. The stuff you have to hear. Because you're the first on scene to someone's worst day of their life. To you, it's another routine call. Whether it's a sexual assault, a stabbing, a shooting, their car got stolen, their house got burglarized, they're being stalked by an ex who's threatened to kill them. All problems. Not making light of any of those. Those are problems. But to us, those are routine and normal. We deal with them on a daily basis where you may have never ever dealt as a citizen with something like that in your entire life. To you, it's the worst day of your life. And to us, it's, all right, what happened? But those things build up over time. Mm-hmm. And they build up and they build up. And eventually you overflow if you don't find a healthy release. Cops always manage to find the worst releases. Uh, promiscuous sex. Drinking. Some even find their way into drugs. Yeah. And it's it's a sad and tragic thing. Um, they withdraw from all their friends. They cut themselves all friends and family. They just go to work, come home. They don't associate with anybody anymore. They don't go out and do anything healthy. They don't go golf, go exercise, go just shoot guns. Go do something outside of work. They start drawing in and drawing in until eventually they're a shell of what they used to be. And eventually the ghosts come to them one time too many. Mm -hmm. And they take that way out. And it's tragic when we have to deal with that as officers. And we have to go to those calls where a fellow officer has taken their own life. I know you've dealt with that. Yeah, I've dealt with it. And that's a very, very hard thing. And then you look back and go, well, what could I have done to help? And honestly, unless they show outward signs... There's nothing you could have done about it. Now, Mm -hmm. if they came to you and said they have a problem and you poo-pooed it, well, now that's on you. Yeah, because, and then too, there's also a stigma with that because if you go to your chain of command, well, depending on how your friend or, you know, like if that's your friend or maybe it's just another officer that just wanted to reach out to somebody else, like a peer group, 
they may see it as a betrayal because you told the brass about what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's always one of those situations where it's like a landmine. You got to like tread lightly, but then you know if something does happen and you knew about it and didn't tell anybody, you could be held liable administratively, Mm -hmm. maybe potentially. Well, and these days they're getting to where they're doing that now because you knew, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you, here's why. I know why, and you know why. Yeah. I'm going to explain to the public why. In our line of work, you cannot be seen to be weak, mentally incompetent, mentally ill, because there's a stigma attached to those things. Mm-hmm. Officers are supposed to be iron, unbreakable, unbendable, and un- impenetrable. Nothing bothers us. Nothing gets to us. Couldn't be further from the truth. Officers feel very deeply, and we see it at such a personal level. And when you deal with... And I bring back to the dead child because I think we can all relate to how traumatic that would be to have to deal with something like that as a human. Whereas most people will not ever deal with that. We deal with it routinely. We can all equate, though, and understand how that could be traumatic. But people don't, again, forget officers are human, too. Mm -hmm. And eventually it gets to you. They're worried that if they go to their administration and, hey, this is getting to me. That they'll be just certified to carry. They'll be placed on administrative duty where they can't work. They can't carry a firearm. They can't be around public. They have to see the the psychologist for your admit your agency until you're cleared, or you may end up possibly losing your career. In reality, you're not going to lose your career. That that you have protections. They cannot fire you because you have mental health problems. They can't. Now, if you're diagnosed schizophrenic or bipolar or schizoaffective, you you may be let go. Yeah. And that's that's a safety thing. They can't obviously have an officer who's schizoaffective, schizophrenic, or bipolar, manic depressive carrying a firearm. That that's probably not a great idea. Yeah, no. But if it's just a hey, look, I'm feeling suicidal, I've seen too much, it's backing up on me, you're not gonna be fired. One, they can't. And two, how's that look to anyone else who comes forward and needs help? They're gonna find you help. Now whether the agency takes it seriously and actually has a unit that deals with that and will get you the help you need or they're doing it just because they don't have a choice because it would look bad politically or to the public that you didn't actually help this officer. Who knows? But fellow officers, we work with each other every day. We know someone's normal versus abnormal. So if you get, as an example, the officer you work with every day for three years and you know how they are every day. They're happy. They're they're always upbeat or they always have jokes or they're always smiling or laughing. And then over time, all of a sudden, you notice like, hey, man, he did, I haven't seen him smile in weeks. Didn't he say something about his wife's leaving him too? Or he lost a custody battle or he's going to a divorce? And what's wrong with asking him? We have no problem asking the public, are you okay? Do you want to hurt yourself? All day long. But we seem to have a problem asking fellow officers, what's wrong do you want to hurt yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you okay? We seem to have this, I can't do that. I'm betraying my brother. In reality, you're betraying him by not asking. Yeah. Because you're going to let him handle this load alone when all he may have needed is somebody to show they gave a shit. Yeah. Somebody to show they cared. And there are, I'd have to pull the numbers for 23 on how many officers were killed in the line of duty versus suicide, but I guarantee you the suicides are higher. Yeah. And that's a sad thing. It's the same with the veterans thing. I'm not going to get stomping that one. I'm a veteran. You know, 22 a day, that's a legitimate number. It may even be higher. Um, but that that's a conversation for another day. Right now we're talking about law enforcement and suicide, mental health. But they're all preventable. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Someone who genuinely wants to commit suicide, you can't stop them. 
Oh, no. They're going to do it. They're going to do if it. If they genuinely want to. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. But they they almost all give off some kind of vibe or sign that most people, we ignore in each other, but we will pick up on with a civilian that we respond to a call for service for. And we'll immediately pick up something's wrong. I had a traffic stop. Guy was doing 105 miles an hour through traffic. And I mean, driving recklessly. When I get him pulled over, he's sobbing. And I immediately said, are you trying to kill yourself? And he looked me in the eye and said, yes. I said, what was your plan? He goes, I was going to drive into a bridge barrier at 100 miles an hour. Step out of the car, sir. And I took him under emergency attention and took him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. But it would never honestly occur to me to ask a fellow officer, I see you doing 100 miles an hour through traffic for no reason. Hey, man, you trying to hurt yourself? As a cop, I would think, you're just driving like an asshole because you got a police car. Yeah. It would never occur to me to ask. Because mm-hmm. I don't exempt myself from this at all. I'm just as blind to it as any other officer. I, I really am. Because I come from that background. Military, combat veteran, hardcore, you know, west side asshole with cowboy hat. That's the that's what I've always put off. And so it wouldn't occur to me. And I don't know if that's me not being emotionally aware or I just don't pay attention. So I don't exempt myself from these problems at all. I'm just as guilty as anyone else. And I shouldn't be, and I should know better, even from, from the military. We had guys in my unit commit suicide. And we all saw the changes that didn't address them because, hey, that's a personal problem. You know, we're not going to get involved in that. That's that's his life and what he's got going on in our business. And we get that phone call 3 a.m. from the commander going, hey, everybody needs to come in. You know, we had a guy in my unit commit suicide the night we got home. And what? We just got back from Iraq. Like, we survived all that. You kill yourself when you get home. And we never found out the full story. We never got the full story about why that happened. So, of course, we all got called in immediately. Everybody is stand down until they see a psychologist. Like, oh, man, I'm fine. Wait, really? In reality, we probably weren't. Yeah. We just kind of gutted it down. They, you know, I'm, I'm a hard ass. No one needs to know this. I'm good. I have no problems. Law enforcement, we have that same mentality because we are warriors, too. We may not be fighting alley to alley in Fallujah. But we're still warriors. We're, we're societies outside the military. We're society's last line of warriors is cops. Mm-hmm. And we do truly hold that thin blue line between the predators and the prey. But we carry that mentality over from the military because most cops are veterans or a good majority are veterans. We carry that over. Hey, that's my personal problem. As long as I do my job, why do you care? Yeah. And we need to start caring about each other and we need to start paying attention to each other. And I know this episode maybe seemed kind of a downer. It's not a fun subject to talk about, but it's a necessary subject to talk about. Mm-hmm. And family members of, of, of officers, talk to them. Are you okay? Because you are closest to that person. You see the differences. You see the differences. They're changing their behavior. They're changing their attitude. They're changing their tone of voice. The, the way they maybe start dressing. Maybe they were real fastidious before. Always had a fresh haircut. Always had a fresh shave. You know, uniform was always perfectly pressed. Boots or shoes are always cleaned and shined or whatever. And all of a sudden, you notice, man, they... Uniform looks like shit, and they don't shave now, and, and their hair looks like crap, and they got dark circles under their eyes. They aren't laughing at the stuff they used to. They don't make the stupid jokes I always made. All of a sudden, they're just really quiet. You're the closest one to that person. Ask. Talk to them. Yeah. It's uncomfortable because no man wants to go to another guy and go, hey, dude, look, man, do you want to hurt yourself? Like, hey, brother, talk to me. No one wants to do that because, one, you feel like you're betraying them, and, two, potentially could end their career in their mind if it's not – a mental health, like schizophrenia or bipolar or something, or they've been getting the cocaine stash out of the evidence room, mm-hmm. they're not going to be fired. Yeah. They're going to get help. We're going to get them help. And we've had officers in this agency get decertified and get the help they need. And when they were cleared ready, they went back to work. 
Yeah, we welcome to back with open arms, man. Welcome back. How you doing? You all right? All right, let's go to work, man. Slap him on the back, and that's the last we even discuss it. But of course, now everybody looks at that officer sideways for a while. It doesn't last forever, but for a while, we're kind of looking at that officer sideways. Like, hey, you okay? And and I guess it's PTS, right? Because PTS is always associated with the military. But then, like you said, too, well, officers as officers, we experience a lot on a daily basis. We do. On a daily basis, it may not be fight like you said, firefights and being over in Afghanistan or Iraq, but yeah, it's just it's all just homegrown, and it could literally just be from somebody chewing you out when you're just responding to a simple call they called you for, and they're chewing your uh, chewing your ass for no reason. That'll get to somebody at the very least. It just puts you in a mindset of okay, this is going to be a shit day, yep. or it could put you in the mindset of. Well, this is how the public really feels about us. No one appreciates us. And then you carry that whole thing on throughout your entire shift, maybe throughout the entire month, or those incidents just build and build and build and build and build until you have, a just for one example, a negative view on how the public sees you, even though that's not really true. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the public really appreciates law enforcement. It's they just, do. They're just quiet about it. They're just quiet about it because it's a They stigma. go to work, they do their job, they go home. If yeah. They see you at a restaurant, they walk up, thank you for what you do. And I'll tell you, we do appreciate that, folks. <laughs> I'm not saying come up and have a long conversation with us while we're eating. <laughs> that may not be as appreciated. Don't take that personal. But when you come up to us at restaurants, hey, we love you. Thank you for what you do. We do appreciate hearing that because usually the other day, it's fuck you. You're a pig. I can't stand you. There's real crimes being committed. Why don't you go do something about that? You Brett, you violated my rights, blah, 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 ad nauseum. And then you have one person come up. Hey, we appreciate what you do. Can I buy your meal? That means a lot to us. That means more to us than anything else. We don't want plaques, medals, and recognition. We don't. In fact, most cops I know don't like being recognized. Hey, I'm good. Thank you. Leave me alone. Yeah. We don't want to be on the news. Cameras start showing up. We start disappearing. <laughs> you know, Just the simple thank you from the public. Um, and I've had it on traffic stops where even after I've given them a ticket, I've given them or several, two or three. Thank you, sir. I appreciate what you do. I feel like a dick. <laughs> you know, I did my job and they were still polite. And that's someone you, you know, I'm going to go back. I'm going to change that to a warning. They won't know it, but I'm going to change it to a warning. They'll find out when they get to court and they say, ah, that was, that was a warning. As a thank you. I've done that before. I have. You can always tell the true nature of a person after you give them a citation. If they're still polite and they say, thank you. And I'm sorry, I was wrong. And please be safe. You feel about that tall. Yeah. You're like, you know what? I'm going to change that to a warning. Now, look, if you had 25 priors for the same thing and no license, no insurance, okay, look, I'm not going to change that. I appreciate your support, but you still need to. You want to show me your support? Get a license insurance. <laughs> That'll show me your support. <laughs> Slow down. That'll show me your support. That'll be less work for me. But we know as cops, the public doesn't hate us like the media makes people think that the public does. They don't. We actually get a lot of support. Problem is, the majority of people that support us are not the ones that we deal with. The majority of the ones that support us typically are responsible adults that take care of their own problems, and we don't have to go deal with them. Yeah. Or the time we do have to deal with them, it's because they actually had a genuine. Their car got stolen, their credit card got stolen and used, which is an offense, and absolutely we'll take that report because we want to track that. Um, that's about the only time we can deal with people like that. The ones we deal with, the majority, are the constant callers, they do not know how to adult. They do not know how to handle their own problems. So if I call a cop, he'll handle them. He'll fix the problem I created for me. That They created the problem, but now they want me to fix it for them. And then when you give them the fix, they really don't like it. Okay, yeah. well, you asked. I'm telling you how to fix it. Uh, I've probably got 10,000 examples of that. Of You have a smartphone? Yeah. Did you Google it? 
Oh, look, first hit right in front of them. I'll Google it right in front of them and go, first hit, how to fix that problem. Oh, you can use your phone for Tinder or Bumble or how to find directions to your friend's house or whatever, but you can't Google a law or Google how to fix something. You have the world's greatest repository of human knowledge in your hand. There's nothing you cannot find on the internet anymore. Use it. (laughs) Google before you call. You might lower our call volume. You can get shit done. Because that backs up on you too after a while. Because honestly, I'm going to phrase it like this. If you deal with 100 contacts a day and 99 of them are just stupid shit that had nothing to do with law enforcement, you would just want to complain about your neighbor. You want to complain about your HOA. You got the guy who parked across from your house and that's your house. So he shouldn't be parked in front of your house. After a while, you start to think everybody's stupid. Yeah. And they're not. But the ones you deal with are. And you think the hundredth one's going to be dumb when that's an actual genuine person that needs help. And you just get there, man, what the hell do you want? Obviously not the right answer. Not the way we should address the public and not the way we should talk to them. But you're human. You just dealt with 99 other stupid people who actually did not have anything to do with law enforcement. And then the hundredth one was the genuine problem. You treat them like crap because you're just so burned out from the other 99. You just assumed the hundredth one was stupid too. Mm-hmm. And they're not. Yeah. But we're human. We're human beings. You do it the same. Your jobs too. As, as civilians, they do the same thing at their job. I guarantee you they have the same stupid crap. There's always something stupid to your job. You do it long enough, you start to think everything is stupid. Mm-hmm. But people look at us and go, well, you're cops. You shouldn't think that way. We're still human beings. We're still human. We're going to find crap funny. We're going to find crap stupid. We're going to find people stupid. We're going to find people funny, just like you do. Help us out. <laughs> Ask yourself questions before you call us, please. Am I in danger? Is someone else in danger? Did I try to solve the problem on my own? Am I minding my own business? <laughs> if you can do all those things first, our call volume is going to drop. And maybe we can actually go out there and do something and be proactive. But if you suck up all our time with stuff that does nothing to do with us, that gets on us too after a while. Because we stop wanting to do the job. Yeah, Wrong or right. We stop wanting to do the job and it sucks. We should not think that way. We should not feel that way, but we're human. And eventually it just, you, you overflow and you're just like, you know what? Fuck it. You stop caring. I've met some officers who you can just look and they've even expressed. They don't want to do the job anymore. No. And if you remember when they first started, I want to get out there. I want to arrest every bad guy. I find, I want to stop every car. I want to find the drugs. I want to find the guns. I want to tag out the gang members. You know, I want to do this. And five years later, they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's just, the public's the and I'm not saying the public as a whole, but just a select few of the public warps their uh warps their like idea of it. They may not have a cooperating district attorney that's currently elected. That's a lot to do with it. That can also be a thing. Their administration could be horrible or just they're just worried about their own political aspirations and problems and that's these things are just like constant problems. And many in a plethora of agencies, and that can just wear down on officers who had that, like that zeal, that gumption to get up and go to work and do a fantastic job, be a good representation for that agency. But the stressors get down on them. Nobody picks up on it, or maybe one or two do, but they don't want to say anything. Then their wellness declines. Then there's nobody kind of keeping that in the forefront to like go out and exercise more completely de-stressed from work by like maybe taking a week or two off. Mm-hmm. If you got the time, go enjoy your hobbies, go get some new hobbies, go out with people who aren't law enforcement friends. Just 
so you're not constantly in that world. Those that stuff helps. Yeah, stuff absolutely. helps. It helps, but so I just I googled real quick. I just put in suicide hotline, and it was the first hit on Google. And this is for anybody, not just officers, but you can call 988 or you can text 988. And that is a national suicide hotline. Mm-hmm. And you'll immediately connect with somebody. If you're close and you just need someone to talk to, you can talk to them there. Yeah. And it's you don't have to give them your name. You don't have to tell them who you are, what you do, where you live. You can just talk to them or you can actually tell them that and they will contact local authorities to. We've had to be, we've had those calls. Yeah. I've, I've had, had a million of them. Yeah. You've had a million of them. Uh, Someone calls their friend. Uh, I think I'm going to end it today. They call us. We get there. And sometimes we get there in time. Sometimes yeah. we don't. And that's a sad thing when we don't. Because I look at them. Everyone is preventable. If we could have got there five minutes sooner now, it's useless to beat ourselves up over something we have no control over. But suicide is a tragic, tragic thing. And it leaves so much wreckage behind it. Mm-hmm. Kids blame themselves. What did I do to make mommy or daddy go away? And that's a horrible thing for a kid to have to bear. That's a, that's a cross a child should not have to bear. Yeah. Um, ch- children should have to bury their parents, not vice versa, but it should come naturally. Yeah. Suicide is one of those things that the kids blame themselves, spouses blame themselves, families blame themselves, friends blame themselves. Everybody blames themselves. The person who is contemplating suicide thinks in their mind, if they're gone, everything will get better. In reality, it makes everything worse, mm-hmm. especially with children. Yeah. Because what did I do? What, why did I make mommy and daddy go away? Well, how did I not stop it? In reality, there's nothing you could have done. But that's not how kids think. That's not how spouses think. Brothers, sisters, parents, they don't think that way. And what I'm seeing a rise of more and more is teenage suicide. Young teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like 13, 14, overdoses, hanging, cutting their wrists, getting a hold of a parent's firearm. That's always super tragic because the parent really blames himself. Why not lock up my firearm? And then we charge the parent. For leaving a firearm accessible to a child. So now you have not one but two tragedies. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing just leaves so much human wreckage behind it. It is just unfathomable. The ripples. If you throw a rock in the water, the rock disappears, but the ripples spread. And they just keep spreading. That's the best way to describe it. The ripples don't stop when the rock disappears. Mm-hmm. There is an outgoing effect. And it affects everyone around them. Your coworkers. What did I miss? What did I not see? Especially law enforcement. What did I, not mi- what did I miss? How did I not notice this? How did I not see it? Because most people are selfish. By nature, humans are selfish creatures. We think about ourselves first. And if you are in a law enforcement is a very self-reliant career field. Yeah. You depend on you first before anybody else. Because nine out of ten, you are there by yourself dealing with it. And if you're lucky enough to get back up, maybe. But I don't know how many times I've had to deal with it by myself, or you've had to deal with it by yourself, or officers listening, you've had to deal with a call by yourself that honestly you should have had two or three officers there. And you dealt with it by yourself because you didn't have the luxury of backup. Or they're tied up on something else. You can't tell them to pause the crime they're breaking, the law they're breaking, for backup. Yeah. You have to get through that door, and you have to stop this guy who's beating the crap out of his wife. And he's a monster. Prison strong, mean as hell, high. And guess what? That's your job. And now you're by yourself dealing with a monster. So we're not usually an ask-for-help kind of occupation. We're a... Occupation that if an officer asks for help, it must be something major. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, you're going to get everybody because, one, we're curious. We want the chisme. But an officer who doesn't normally ask for help, all of a sudden asking for help, you're going to get everybody. Now, you got some officers, and every agency has an officer that always asks for help for everything. Tra- you know, traffic stop wants a backup. 
you know, and it's a little lady and he wants a backup unit. Like you learn which officers that never ask for help. And if they ask for help, you're coming running. You're blowing red lights and stop signs when you really shouldn't be because that officer never asked for help. And then the one that yeah, I'm on a traffic stop, she's 70, start me another unit. What? Really? <laughs> you get there and you're like, dude, why are you wasting my time? Like, okay. So she's being batty and she's calling you names. Who cares? <laughs> you know, handle it. You know, be nice. Maybe they just want some maybe they just they just want another another body, another fresh. I just want a moral support. I need moral support. Moral so hey. Support. You're supporting your fellow officer. If you look at it that way, and I guess I would have to eat my own words if I didn't do that. So <laughs> thank you. You have exposed my hypocrisy. Appreciate it. We just want listeners, whether you're Ellie, family members of Ellie, friends of Ellie, or even have nothing to do with law enforcement at all. And you recognize the signs of somebody who needs help. Ask. There is nothing wrong with asking people if they need help, if there's something wrong. If there's, Ask them flat out, are you suicidal? Do you want to kill yourself? It's better to ask the question and you may get a negative response. I may not talk to you for a week or two versus they actually tell you, yes, I need help. And you get them help and the problem kind of solves itself. You stop something that didn't have to happen. Yeah. What's wrong with that? Okay, there might be some hurt feelings for a week or two. Maybe that person feels you betrayed him from asking that. But would you rather your friend's feelings were hurt for a week or two? Or would you rather go to their funeral? Yeah. I tell all my friends, you call me. I don't give a shit if it's 3 a.m. You call me. I will drive across town. I don't care. I will drive across town. I would rather do that. Get up, get dressed, drive across town, and stop you from doing something stupid than attend your funeral. Because Oh, man, suck it up. You're an adult. Click. And they go, that was the last person I thought I could talk to. I got nothing left. Yeah. And they make an irrevocable decision. Mm-hmm. And then you find out the next day, hey, so-and-so committed suicide last night. And you're looking at yourself like, fuck, he called me. And I blew him off. And I could have just driven over there. What was it going to cost me? A little sleep? Yeah. Now, I would feel guilty as hell. And suicide begets suicide, honestly. It really does. Uh, people don't understand that, but when people commit suicide, other people around them who may have already been on the edge kind of start leaning that way too because they feel guilty and guilt combined with already suicidal ideation is a recipe for it because there's the reason people commit suicide to cover up a crime, shame, guilt, financial distress, and relationship problems. Those are the main reasons people commit suicide. Those are the main ones. And Financial being a big one right now, the inflation going up the way it has been and bills are getting harder to pay. Some people think, you know, this is easier if I don't have to deal with this anymore because my credit card bills are due. You know what? Let them go into default. I'd rather have a bad credit rating than be dead. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's because I didn't make poor decisions. Sometimes we make poor decisions. We're still human beings. But those are the kind of things. Or my wife divorced me and took the kids. Or I did something that I feel super ashamed of. Or I feel guilty for doing something. The only way out is to make an irrevocable decision that I cannot take back. It is not an answer. Folks, if you're listening, it is not an answer. Get help, please. Mm -hmm. If you are non-law enforcement and you're listening to this or you're watching this and you feel that that is your last option, please call 911. Law enforcement will come. You're not going to jail. We're not going to arrest you. That is not the function there. Our function is to get you help. We are going to take you to a hospital. 
we're going to do what's called an emergency detention. I think we may have mentioned it in another episode, emergency detentions. I, I believe, believe so. Did. Yeah. But we're going to take you to the hospital. You're not under arrest. There's no criminal record, no fingerprints. We're not going to tell anybody. It is confidential information. It falls under HIPAA. We're not going to tell anybody. We're going to get you help. We're going to get you to a doctor, someone that can help you. That is all. We're not going to make fun of you, belittle you, call you names, laugh and point. We're not going to do any of that. You will have to be in handcuffs. Don't take that personal. That is policy for most agencies because of the nature of what's going on. We want the officer to be safe. We want the person to be safe. But we're not going to tell your neighbors, your family, your friends. We're not going to call your buddies. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to stop you from hurting yourself. Because our full responsibility is law enforcement. Preserve life, number one. That is our first responsibility as police officers is to preserve life. So we're going to preserve life. If we have to tack you to the ground or maybe tase you to get you to drop whatever you're holding, we're going to do that. Yeah. We'd rather take the risk of tasing you and you maybe break in a bone while you fall on the ground than you shoot yourself. Yeah. We'd rather stop that. So please don't feel you can't talk to us. And as officers, believe me, we will understand. We will talk to you. We'll help you out in any way we can. Um, brother officers, guys, brother and sister officers, I should say sister. Sorry, Brother and sister officers. We're here to help each other. We have only ourselves to rely on. Talk to your fellow officers. Talk to your supervisors. Now, some of you know which officers you can talk to or which supervisors you can talk to. That's a that's good. That's a big one. Can't share everything with everybody. No, you can't. And they, they just they may honestly may not have your best interests at heart. They very well may not be. So, so good point. Thank you, and I and I want to mention that. But by and large, call nine eight eight. That is a national suicide hotline. Call them. They're not going to judge you either. That nobody is going to judge you. What they're going to do is second-guess themselves and judge themselves if you don't ask for help, and they're going to wonder what they did wrong, which leaves so much wreckage behind it. If anybody has dealt with this suicide, a close friend or a family member, I guarantee you know what I'm talking about, or you've heard about it. So, J-Man, do you have anything to add on this topic? I think we uh, we covered a lot of bases. I guess if there's just one thing, maybe just to reemphasize before we uh, before we sign out here, um, just try to like find new, find some sort of way on your off time to get away from law enforcement. Absolutely. If you're find a hobby, find a, something. Hey, pickleball. I heard pickleball's the shit. Just do do something. I play racquetball, my son, and for about two or three hours, we beat the hell out of each other on the racquetball court. That's a fantastic. It's exercise. Mm-hmm. Nothing law enforcement related. I'm hanging out with my son. What could be better? Yeah, just golf, yeah. guns. Yeah. Something. Work Something. on a classic car. Buy an old piece of shit car and spend your time putting that together. Trust me, you'll want to go back to work by the end of that day. <laughs> when you've lost a piece to an engine or you can't quite get there, you lost your 10 millimeter socket. Yeah. You're ready to go back to work. Yeah. But you took your mind off work while you were doing that. Yeah. And you'll learn the new colorful ways to string cuss words together. Just don't use them at work. Yeah. Burn that time <laughs> off, man. That's right. Where you want to be. You have vacation. Yeah. Use it. Use wanna it. Want to show everybody you're a workhorse, show pony, anything like that. Nah, man, just take some time off and just get away from it all. Come back refreshed. Good mindset going into it. And it'll pay off in dividends. What did I hear the other day? Kids will never remember, what was it, how hard you worked, but they'll always remember your overtime. Mm-hmm. So, guys, you have time off. Use it. Take a vacation. It doesn't have to spend a lot of money. Go for a long drive. Go to the mountains, camp overnight, do something, get away from this job. This is not your entire life and it should not be your entire life. This is your job and that is it. Mm -hmm. You should not identify you by your job. And unfortunately, law enforcement, that is the first thing we're identified as. Yeah. Uh, This is my friend. He's a cop. And and no one else really does that. Except maybe doctors. This is my friend. 
he's a doctor. Yeah. But by and large, we're the only career field. This is my son, brother, wife, husband, friend is a cop because we're identified that way. Yeah. Because we have one of those rare professions. Yeah. So listeners, we hope you learned something today. I know this wasn't humorous. This one was not meant to be humorous. We didn't want it to be funny. We want this one to be serious because there is a serious message there and it needs to get out there in every forum we can get it on. Please remember 988. It could save a life. You never know. Uh, I don't have anything left to add on this. Jamie, anything to add? No, that's it. All right, brothers, sisters, be safe out there. Keep your heads up. Keep your heads on a swivel. Help each other out. Be there for each other. And we're out.